Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Hour number two on FST, Mike and Joe coming at you with a lot of NFL draft stuff. Maybe third hour, we'll talk some baseball. I don't know. I'm just really jazzed up about the draft, trying to figure out exactly what all this means uh, from a fantasy standpoint. And I, I should probably do a little bit more of tying that back in. Look, in the first hour, we talked about the Giants. Saquon's going to be a stud there. I, I, I think... We know that he's going to be a top three to top five fantasy back, right, when we start doing all our, our rankings. You can put him as high as you want. I probably wouldn't argue with him because he's going to touch the ball so many times. And the offensive line will be better, regardless of who's that quarterback. I think from I think we have to really see how much Shepard is boosted uh, from Odell not being there. Right. I think you're obviously going to see more touches there. How valuable can Golden Tate be? How much does Evan Ingram produce with Odell not there? So I think you're really looking at the Giants' options of being better, even if you don't expect their offense to be great. Their offense is is fine uh, talent-wise. It is. The offensive line has to play better, but they added another guy. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. uh, and and it's it started to play better last year, and then you know as as the season wore on, and uh, you know Solder it took him a while to get adjusted. I mean, he was a big free agent signing for him. Uh, you know, Hernandez uh, a big draft pick for him. Uh, so you know, he just it, it, this this is going to be a, a very Interesting season. I mean, Shepard's going to have to play more on the outside than he has in the past. I mean, uh, the Giants had looked to him. Uh, it was more of a uh, originally as a slot receiver, but when Shermer came in, he started to think of him uh, maybe as an option on the outside. Uh, you mentioned Evan Ingram. Uh, Evan Ingram, uh, more of a wide receiver than a tight end. It's just a question of him being able to stay on the field. You know, obviously questions about when they brought in Golden Tate, you know, uh, you know, another slot receiver, but that uh, makes you think that uh shepherd will be playing more on the outside so uh but and saquon barkley generational uh, running back probably in many drafts going to be the number one overall pick in in football i mean but like you said top three top five so uh yeah. eh, i mean because we'll the, the other guys you'll have up there are Gurley, and you think david johnson can come back people aren't going to draft him first. well Z- Chris caffrey after what zeke, zeke did last year zeke. Zeke. yeah yes yeah that's it it's Zeke, yeah. Saquon, Chris McCaffrey, Todd Gurley. Like, yeah. those and, are the top even, four picks off the board. Yeah. He's going to argue with you. Right. A little nervous about uh, Todd Gurley with this whole uh, arthritis yeah. in the knee thing. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, those top three. And like I said, after what Zeke did last year, uh, even catching more balls out of the backfield too. So, 
Uh, I said the other night, Zeke Elliott falsely developed a reputation from some people that he was more of a one-dimensional running back. It has never been true. Right. They just decided to start throwing the ball more, and he's great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, all right. So, as far as other, uh, I mean, Arizona. I guess you'd have to be excited long term, but what is Arizona going to look like right out of the gate? I think you'll probably have. I think it could be like a growing pain situation. New coach, new quarterback. They know yep. each other well, so maybe they get off to a fast start. But with Chris Kirk being hurt, Isabella's pretty interesting as a rookie. Rookie wideouts in general, if your approach in fantasy is to fade rookie wideouts, it's a good approach. They <laughs> typically are not productive. You yes, have your Juju Smith seasons and your Odell Beckham seasons, but those are the exception and not the rule. Yep. With the way offenses are instituted now in the NFL, that trend could change. But in general, it's difficult to get a lot of productivity productivity out of rookie wideouts and tight ends. There's just a lot to learn for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Running backs can come in and be impactful right away, but uh, rookies – it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, so, okay. Speaking of wideouts, the Chiefs used their first pick of the draft last night to draft Miko Hardman, a speedster out of Georgia, 5'10", 187. But he also has the ability to return kicks. And he's another guy who's at his best with the ball in his hands. He's just sort of a dangerous, explosive wide receiver, which sounds he ran a 4-3-3 40-yard dash. So it's pretty damn similar to what the Chiefs had in Tyreek Hill, Mm -hmm. whose criminal case has now been reopened. And I think last night I was listening to the draft live while I was driving somewhere, and everybody was of the same opinion that – them drafting me, Cole Hartman, means that they are really concerned about the Tyreek Hill situation. It wouldn't surprise me if Tyreek Hill is. He's currently suspended from all team activities, but I don't think anything can surprise you about him being released by the Chiefs at some point during this offseason. It happened today. It wouldn't shock me, but uh, if it happens later, uh, so be it. So, obviously, it's a big blow to this team. Forget what he did. If There's obviously something there. The prosecutor is telling you it's either him or his girlfriend hurt right. the kid. Well, Whether no, it was intentional or not, it doesn't tape. matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, here's the only thing. Through all my draft coverage and everything else, I haven't been able to discern exactly what the audio tape is from and of. There's an 11-minute audio tape. Where is that tape from? Is that a distress call? To... No, uh, I believe his fiance or girlfriend uh, was having a conversation with him and uh, taped him. I think it's almost like uh, just in case of like a, a backup plan, but it's very descriptive. She where felt obviously, yeah, yeah, f- f- and uh, you know, very descriptive. Where you know, she talks about how the child is, uh, you know, afraid of, of, and I'm paraphrasing, afraid of of Tyreek Hill, and and uh, if if the, the person on the tape the male is Tyreek Hill he answers back well you know he should be and you should be too yeah 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 you need to be terrified of me too right that's a very clear recording you know I was listening to some of it and just it's a very very unfortunate situation I mean we talk football and obviously you know the uh, ramifications with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and all this stuff but obviously the welfare of the child is is the most important and it's such a shame 
Yeah, as a three-year-old son. I have a three-year-old mm-hmm. daughter. I have a six-year-old mm-hmm. son. So uh, people putting their kids in those type of situations is terrible. And in fact, this is a weird, this is such a weird thing. I, but I've told this to a couple people. My two kids broke three bones in their bodies in about a year's time. And I remember somebody saying to me, like, I hope you're not going to the same hospital. And I was like, what do you mean? And they said, because DSS would conceivably get on you for that. Yeah, I never really thought of it. Mm -hmm. My son Owen broke his uh, foot at a little roll around thing at our local rec center. But my daughter broke two bones in her leg in in the same year last year inside our house just freaky things one time she was she was a two-year-old and she just was uh their bones are softer and she like put a lot of torque on her leg to kind of run into another room and she created a fracture and then uh later that same year she was wearing my wife's shoes messing around and ended up breaking (laughs) two bones in her foot wow so it, it but it was freak one things. of these things yeah. where, like, right, mm-hmm. freak accidents. Mm-hmm. Can't imagine possibly putting a kid in a situation where you were the cause of their injury intentionally. Right, right. So right. he's obviously implying in that that if the kid is scared, they should be and the mm-hmm. fiance should be too. So right, right. I have to here, here, let's just back it up for a second and forget fantasy for a minute. <laughs> The NFL is in this position where they have these high-profile incidents, and the law plays it out, right? And the prosecutors decide to not charge anybody, mainly because they can't figure out which one of them did it, right? That was the issue, yes. That seems Mm -hmm. to be the case. One of you did this, but we have no credible evidence as to whom it was. Right. Now, if the fiancé is taping him, I'm starting to believe that She's obviously scared for some reason, mm-hmm. and you just wonder if she's being hesitant about being a witness. Obviously, one, they both know what happened, so right. neither is ratting on the other. And, uh, you know, here we are in this situation. But for the NFL standpoint, it's such a bad look. But at the same time, if the if the American legal system can't adjudicate these things that lead to convictions, what is the NFL supposed to do? I, right. I, I, I'm not saying this to defend the league. And you don't want wife beaters or chi- people that are putting child children in harm's way. You don't want them running around the football field when people know something may have happened. But at the same time, what do you do? You have to, you can suspend them for a certain period of time, but you know, when it comes to Reuben Foster and Kareem Hunt and now Tyreek Hill, if the if the legal system isn't going to do anything about it, what is the NFL supposed to do? Right. I guess that's what it, that's what it comes down to. And it's and it's so scary from a real life perspective where, you know, if legally, you know, law enforcement can't figure out who to uh, charge with the crime, uh, and uh, they just close the case, and then uh, eventually, now nah, eventually. Uh, you know, the, the person who wasn't charged with the crime commits the crime again, this time maybe causing even more serious damage, even death. Right. You, you know, you, you, it makes you think about the news that you read every day where, you know, could this have been avoided? Was it a situation where, you know, the, the, the investigators uh, 
were faced with a dead end and didn't know who to arrest or who, who to. It's crazy. It, it really is crazy. But it's a yeah. good point you bring up. So, Andy Reid says this is somebody that GM Brett Veach had his eye on from the get go. This is according to Nicole Hardiman. It doesn't mm-hmm. have anything to do with things going on right now. Uh, that's a lie. Andy Reid said a few days ago that after Hill wasn't charged, he basically said something to the effect of, um, you know, I'm not here to prosecute anybody. I'm just here to coach football and, and we're moving ahead. And it makes him seem insensitive. And frankly, it is mm-hmm. a little bit. But, sure. Uh, nonetheless, and, uh, and now you've got to wonder about the Chiefs, the way they vet their players, right? Because this is the second player, <laughs> second star. You know, we talked about, you mentioned Kareem Hunt, now uh, Tyreek Hill, and now uh, Miko Hardman. I don't know if you saw this. Now he's trying to explain away some uh, old homophobic tweets that he posted, uh, you know, back, I think, in 2012 or something like that. So, you know. Chiefs really, Chiefs really have a knack for doing this. 2012. Yeah. Uh, 2012, 2016, years old. Well, I I think it was either 2012 to 2016. But I I followed a link to some uh, old uh, uh, homophobic tweets that he posted. Now he's trying to explain them away. So, uh, how are these guys not cleaning up their Twitter feeds (laughs) before they get drafted? (laughs) Right, right. Uh, I mean, I have no sympathy for them, if for no other reason that it's like an idiot test. If you, Mm -hmm. if you're going to be a recognizable athlete at any time in the future, and you have comments that you made, even if they're all the way back to when you were a 15-year-old idiot in high school and you made right. an insensitive comment, then clean it up and or apologize for it. This isn't really a difficult process to go through, but I don't know. I, I just The social media thing is crazy. It, it, it's also weird to me that people do spend time to flush these guys out because for every person that found something that Nicole Hardman said, can you imagine the people that are sifting through the Twitter feeds of all hundred something players that were drafted in the last few days and don't find anything? You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. You're right. going through Zach Allen or Josh Rosen's tweets or whoever for the last couple of years. Like you're just spending mm-hmm. tons of time trying to out somebody. They finally found something there, but nonetheless, I would suspect that Tyreek Hill's days are over in Kansas City, I'd agree. but I can't, I can't, I can't guarantee that. But I would suspect they are, and then Miko Hardman uh, becomes an option. It almost feels weird to talk about fantasy at this point, but the, the Chiefs, I, I think, but- offensively are going to be fine. You have Pat Mahomes there. Uh, obviously, Damian Williams uh, is there. Travis Kelsey. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, and now Miko Hardman would really be the main wide receivers. So it's a big blow to their team, uh, to the explosive nature of that team. But screw it. I don't have any sympathy for a guy that puts somebody in that position, especially. I agree. And do you think that uh, this whole situation and the Reuben Foster and the Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, I guess it it goes hand in hand maybe with what the Raiders did with their first pick in terms of if it was part of him being, you know, someone who doesn't come across, uh, doesn't have all this excessive baggage. And do you think the teams going forward are really going to step up their vetting process? And and maybe I think they've tried to do that. Yeah, Yeah. I think they've tried to do that. (laughs) Yeah. But the Jets drafted a guy last night. It's got some off field stuff. Jahai Polite. People think he's a first-round pick, but he's got some off-field stuff going on. Mm -hmm. You know, Juwan Taylor, the tackle out of Florida, he was thought to be a first-round pick. 
And I'm not saying he did anything approaching criminal behavior, but he was thought to be a diva. That's a story I heard about two days before the draft as he started to slide. He slid all the way out of the first round. So teams are doing the best to have wanting nothing to do with it, right? Yeah. You don't really yeah. want anything to do it in the first place, but we've seen it over time. The talent's going to get you there one way or the other. Tyreek Hill had a major incident that got him kicked out of Oklahoma State. He still got yeah. drafted. He still was productive. He still earned big money until he was a jackass again. Yeah. So remember Joe Mixon. <laughs> Joe Mixon is still yeah. trying to. Joe Mixon is still fighting through something similar to what Tyree Kill went through: assault mm-hmm. on a woman. Tyree yeah. Kill did it to his pregnant girlfriend. Mixon appeared to have did it to a relatively mm-hmm. random woman while he was at Oklahoma. It's going to take a long time to live that stuff down, and I don't have a lot of sympathy. You can make the argument that all these guys deserve second chances. I could also counter it by saying, well, yeah, they're getting a second chance by not being in jail. Maybe their second chance doesn't have to come in the NFL. But I'm open to the to the NFL sort of taking care of it and the team's taking care of it. I, I just don't have to buy people's jerseys. I don't have to root for them. Right. So that's where we're at. We spent a lot of time on the Chiefs. Uh, the backfield now is Damian Williams and Carlos Hyde. Pat Mahomes will be working with Kelsey Watkins, Robinson, and now Miko Hardman. So we'll see how the Tyreek Hill thing plays out, but you can't feel particularly confident that he'll be back with a reopened criminal investigation on assaulting a three-year-old. So super uplifting yeah. segment right there. That's really fun <laughs> times. But we'll come back. We'll try to lighten it up with more draft talk after this. It's Mike and Joe on FST Saturday edition. We'll be right back. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Continue to talk about NFL draft. Well, let's get into the QBs here and uh, their impact. Uh, we talked a little bit about we talked already about Kyler Murray and uh, who he'll be throwing to. I, I want to look up the Christian Kirk thing because I wonder where he's at. He got hurt late in the year. That can't be. There's no way he's going to be ready for Week One. I don't think. I know Julian Edelman made his way back that one year after the ACL. Uh, but we'll look that up to see where he's at on his uh, his uh, rehab. So, anyway, um, guys, I want to talk about really were the QBs because big winners last night were the Broncos. Now, Joe Flacco is obviously not too thrilled. He's been drafted over twice in the last two years 
with Baltimore replacing him with Lamar Jackson midway through this season. And he thought maybe he could get a little bit of a resurgence here, but that is unlikely to be the case. Now, Flacco's in, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> zero guaranteed money left on his contract. Denver can easily move on from from him now that Drew Locke, who they took with the 42nd pick overall last night in the draft. So they, they had back-to-back picks. They got Dalton Reisner, the offensive tackle. Well, <clears throat> let me let me recap their entire draft thus far because I, I think it's important to do it that way. They were the team that traded down with the Steelers. They went from 10 to 20, and they took a tight end, Noah Fant from Iowa. His teammate, mm-hmm. TJ Hawkinson, went perhaps earlier than some suspected, but, but he went number eight to the Lions. Noah Fant goes 20. So they pick up a, they pick up something uh, from the Steelers, second-round pick. They then utilize that to go up and get two picks here in the second round. They had Dalton Reisner, the offensive tackle from Kansas State, and then Drew Locke, the QB from Missouri. Some thought he could go in the first round. He lasts, and here you go. So Flacco, his future is cloudy in Denver, to say the least. I, I think if I'm them, I, I don't need to rush Locke out there. I probably right. approach it right now that Flacco's the starter. Yeah, but I think they've Flacco's said that already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if mm-hmm. if Locke shows you something crazy, then I think <laughs> you consider it. I never really would like that dynamic on a team where the starter is constantly looking over his shoulder. But... New York and Denver have that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but the, I guess the the good thing is that and with that first pick, uh, and Noah Fant, I mean, uh, it's kind of playing up to uh, what Flacco likes to do, and it's not throwing to his tight right. ends. Right. So that yes, that was that's pretty <laughs> unique, right? <laughs> In that Fant it really plays to Flacco's strengths, but at the same time, it addresses a long term need. They've they've struggled yeah. quite a bit at the tight end position. They had mm-hmm. Jake Butt who Jake Butt is he, he's going to be the test case for everybody as to why you don't play in bowl games. And he is the reason why guys have started not playing at the end of the year. He's a primary reason. Jalen Smith from the Cowboys, who lost out on being a top 10 pick uh, due to a, a major ACL and pinched nerve injury in his knee. He's now come mm-hmm. back to be a very productive pro, pro bowl caliber player jake butt tore his acl in his bowl game his senior year missed his entire rookie season then has another major injury last year he's been hurt basically since he got into the league fifth round pick in 2017 he missed all of 2017 and he missed a lot of 2018 they they're one of their depth tight ends matt lacrosse matt lacoste left in free agency another pick jeff hoyerman who was a 2015 third round pick has also been injured and not particularly productive so they just draft over all those guys with noah fant it's fine if one of the other guys becomes they drafted troy fumagalli last year too so they actually have crazy depth at the position it's just that two of the guys keep getting hurt so Mm -hmm. fant to your point he plays well to flacco i don't know how that he'll be great as a rookie and but it won't really matter because then Drew Locke will be there to take over and be throwing to Fant. So I, I think you got good options there. Trading back, getting value, offensive 
guard, which they needed, a mm. tight end, which they needed. They pick a nose tackle last last night in Tremont Jones. So all this together means Elway had to take another cut at quarterback, and he didn't feel confident enough to do it in the first round. So I can appreciate him waiting and getting Drew Locke here. Yeah, and uh, leading up to the draft, you know, there were hints that uh, Elway was was uh, always very high on Locke. Uh, and, you know, it, I mean, the valuations on, on Locke are up and down. Uh, yeah, he's got a good arm, good pocket presence. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, Elway can't strike out uh, again. <laughs> when it comes yeah, to he's getting a lot of he's he's clearly getting a lot of heat for it. The Paxton Lynch yeah. thing is really the big mistake that he made. The other ones, which were Trevor Simeon, was a seventh round pick. Mm-hmm. The Paxton Lynch thing is a big miss because he was a reach and then has proven to barely be rosterable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a big miss. The some of the other picks, Chad Kelly, Zach Dysert, those are seventh round picks too. Um, there's a miss there with Keenum. And now I think this is the best plan he's had, frankly, mm-hmm. is a veteran and now a rookie, a veteran yeah. guy that has yeah. proven to be at least serviceable. Flacco's numbers mm-hmm. over the last few years have been bad. That's why the Ravens are moving on from him. Since he won the Super Bowl, pretty precipitous decline in his ability. But now they have a good quarterback room. Flacco can be an out if he can be an upstanding citizen and not really be pissed about the drama that Drew Locke is creating for him, then so be it. But he's $18.5 million this year, zero guaranteed money, age 35 season. He only played nine games last year after getting hurt and then seeding the rest of the way to Lamar Jackson. So if they want to avoid paying him over $20 million in 2020, he can be cut with no money. So this is all according to Chris Brown from ESPN. So uh, I like it. So Drew Locke comes in there. They've built up the depth of this offense really nicely over the last two years. They drafted Cortland Sutton and Deshaun yep. Hamilton last year. Emmanuel Sanders is obviously still on the roster. It's conceivable that this could be his last year in Denver, but not a guarantee. Uh, they're... Royce Freeman was a good value in the third round and the best value in the entire draft last year ended up being Philip Lindsay because he was an undrafted free agent. So their skill positions are Sutton, Sanders, Hamilton, Lindsay, Freeman, now Fant with Butt and Hoyerman behind him. And they actually have two legitimate prospects slash starters at the quarterback position. So Elway's getting bashed a lot for this quarterback situation, and it is his job to fix it. But I have to say the overall options in the depth chart in Denver are you'd have to feel pretty good about moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's getting bashed because, you know, he's made some bad decisions. And what's more ironic about it is that you would think that he'd be able to, uh, as a former quarterback, you know, that's evaluate why. a quarterback. That's so that's that's why that's he's getting a big heat. deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why he's and, getting and, and you you know you brought up a good point about their offense. They're pretty deep. I mean, even at the especially at the, the running back position, you mentioned Lindsey Freeman and even Devontae Book is still there that's right. as a guy you know could sneak in and. Uh, uh, catch some passes out of the backfield and, uh, you know, if, if one of these guys goes down. So, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what Cortland Sutton could do this year as well. I was down on Denver going into last year, but I really wasn't a believer in Vance Joseph. 
I don't know that Vic Fangio is going to impress me, but I do. What I what I didn't buy about the Vance Joseph thing is that over his two years there, they were really struggling at the quarterback position, and his background isn't suited to fixing that. Mm-hmm. He's a defensive-minded coach, yes. and it seemed like we were consistently worried about the offense with them. Now, Vic Fangio was a longtime defensive coordinator and was coming from the Bears, who are one of the four teams since the merger to lead the league in scoring defense and turn and takeaways. So he can get this defense to play more aggressively. Bradley Chubb, Vaughn Miller, they signed Kareem Jackson, Chris Harris, Justin Simmons. It's a talented defense. So as much as I was down on the Broncos last year, I need Flacco to play okay. But I, I think they're I think they have a shot here to be better. And I think they have a shot to challenge for a playoff spot. I didn't think they would last year. So uh, I, I I like what Denver's done here. Doesn't mean that they're a Super Bowl contender now. I'm with but, you. This hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I do think that they're going to try to utilize Locke's rookie contract in the next two to three seasons to win mm-hmm. a Super Bowl. You'll see them loading up on free agents and, and that kind of stuff here in the next couple of years. So that's it on Denver. So let's go to the other team. We already talked about Josh Rosen. We talked about Kyler. Uh, we did not really get into Washington. I'd said I like what they did there in adding the players. Uh, we did talk a little bit about their options, but let's talk about it from a fantasy standpoint. What? How do you feel about this depth chart now? I, I still think they need another impact wide receiver. Josh Doxson has been a bust at first in a, yes. as a first-round pick. Terry McLaurin now added in the third round. Is he a big, impactful wide receiver? I don't see that but I do think he can be a really productive receiver at the NFL level. They gave Paul Richardson a good amount of money, so they have more faith in him <clears throat> Excuse me, than I do. But good offensive line, Geis coming back. Now Haskins will be in there. He'll have a shot to play week one. They've added tremendous talent on the defensive line with Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. They now added a pass rusher in Montez Sweat. They still have Ryan Kerrigan there. They added Landon Collins. Josh Norman's still there. They lose Preston Smith, which is a loss at linebacker. But Reuben Foster, um, you know, they add Sweat to sort of make up for some pass rushing capabilities. They obviously added Reuben Foster, regardless of this off-field stuff. Reuben Foster now is a reclamation project at the linebacker position. If he can stay healthy in Washington, mm-hmm. he can be very productive. This roster, top to bottom, is pretty damn good. Are, do, are you willing to put the reins in, in a rookie quarterback's hands to to have them in playoff position again, Joe? By season's end, yes. And, uh, you know, let's see what uh, how he looks, excuse me, <clears throat> in the, the preseason. Uh, if he looks good, I might even make him my starting quarterback uh, uh, this season. Here's my One, approach. I know mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying. Sorry, let me fi- yeah. you finish your thought, and then I'll tell sure, you. Sure, sure. No, no, that's fine. No, you, I was pretty much done. Well, I was just going to mention one guy that we didn't even mention was uh, Jordan Reed. <laughs> yes. Know? Uh, yeah. He's just so you know, hurt he's, all the time. He's almost I a, know. A but I know. Yeah. He's not a guy I would ever really draft for fantasy purposes because I, I just don't want to worry about it. But at the same time, I probably oh, should. Uh, he, he probably is the type of – the tight end position is such a mess that it doesn't really matter anyway. They all get right. hurt. Uh you know, the only guys, there's only a couple of guys that you could have counted on last year was really Kelsey and Kittle. 
Even yeah. Gronk wasn't productive last year. So the my thought process is if you have a roster like this, and I do trust Jay Gruden to be the coach, if you have a roster like this, I don't want to mess around at quarterback. I want to go into the season knowing this is the guy. And I think that Haskins is going to be the guy. I don't I, I'm not really impressed with Colt McCoy or Case Keenum at this point during their careers. Right. They've had their chances. McCoy, by the way, is also coming off multiple surgeries based on his leg injury. Uh, yeah. He should be fine for training camp, but he missed OTAs just recently. But I'm on board. I think you go into the season with the rookie. You have a, a offensive-minded quarterback guru-style head coach that mm-hmm. I can trust to do it. I think Washington, as much as I've you know bashed their front office, I think they're in position right now to challenge Dallas, certainly, and Philly for the uh, NFC East. I think the Giants are just not a contender for the division right. this year, I agree. obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think the <laughs> NFC East is pretty interesting, right? Do you, you have two? Yes. I mean, you could have three teams sort of hunting down double-digit wins. I, I think Washington's roster is good enough. I don't know that they're ahead of Philly or Dallas, but I think they can challenge like they were last year until uh, the wheels came off with court, multiple yes. quarterbacks getting hurt. So so that's it uh, for Washington. I really do yeah. like what they've done and there. Um, Terry McClellan could be a, a nice uh, wide receiver for them, deep threat. Uh, Marina, that he, he'll he even stay back and block if he has to. So uh, yeah. I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think they could challenge for the NFC East, uh, NFC East crown. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think what. I mean, the, the, so they, they get a wide receiver in the draft yesterday. I'm trying to think what else they could do today. Maybe... Maybe some depth in the defensive backfield, but they just added Landon Collins. Maybe some depth at tight end, if you're getting worried yeah. about Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis. Right, Vernon Davis getting a little bit older. You know. Depth on offensive line. They, Trent Williams is a standout tackle for them, but he's in his 10th season. Uh, you have to start considering stuff like that. So uh, this may be addressing offensive line today, but... Really, uh, I, I didn't think I'd be singing their praises. Uh, two days ago when I heard that Dan, uh, Dan Snyder had taken over the first yeah, round. I, I'm with I you. Was, I got scared. I thought that was a disaster. <laughs> right. I was like, oh, that's a problem. This guy's made right. so many bad decisions, but uh, in good position there. So we're going to have Joe Delosio, uh, Delosio in, yeah, right after the break. Yeah, I'm losing track of time. We're having so much fun talking <laughs> about the draft. Uh, we'll talk about what the Packers did uh, the other night. Made some moves. Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage in the first round. Elton Jenkins and Jay Sternberger last night. So talk to him about his thoughts and how they can bounce back. They're obviously a team going through major transition. Longtime head coach let go in the middle of the season last year. Now Matt LaFleur is there. Is Aaron Rodgers happy about these additions? Uh, We talked about the Packers extensively the other night. I'll say they've done a really damn good job of building up that defense uh, over the last 12 months. You always have to look at this cyclically, Joe, I think, personally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, all right, we have problems. We address it with draft, free agency, draft. It's sort of where the Jets are now. Free agency, draft, next year's free agency and draft. In 12 months from now, the Jets can be a really good team. They're not there yet, but this is, the Packers are on the other side of that. They're ready to compete again. So we'll talk with Joe about this 
after the break. It's Mike and Joe on FST Saturday edition. We'll be right back. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Welcome back to FST on Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Tune in iHeartRadio. Variety of terrestrial radio stations across the country. Bringing in Joe Delosio here in a minute. But the results of the first few rounds of the 2019 NFL Draft are in. And for NFL betters and serious fantasy football players, season has already started. Start prepping for that 2019 season and roto experts has you covered with their nfl 365 fantasy football package including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet davis maddock whom i spoke with several times the other night and he was just laughing about the giants <laughs> and the roto experts will be live blogging with each pick uh, this evening giving you all the info you need on how each pick affects the fantasy football landscape and nfl futures and that's not all they provide dynasty season-long betting best ball and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. So save 10% at rotoexperts.com with promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with promo code FNTSY. It's the 2019 NFL draft today and the NFL 365 fantasy football package only at rotoexperts.com. So we now have with us, I believe, Joe Delosio. Joe, how are you, buddy? Hey, guys. What's going on? So you can find him on Twitter at Joe underscore Delosio, D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. We'll tweet it out and make sure this interview gets tweeted out later. But with you covering the Packers, they obviously were, for a long period of time, maybe the least active team in all of free agency. But this year, they utilized it in a big way. And for a defense that was struggling mightily about two years ago they spent last year's draft to get the last couple of drafts to get kevin king josh jones jair alexander josh jackson and now darnell savage they've and 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 signed adrian amos so that's six players really in the last 24 months that they've added to the defensive backfield completely rebuilt it uh and adding Rashawn Gary in the first round as a pass rusher to both Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. So that is really, when you think about it, over 24-month cycle, adding nine players that can impact this defense, Joe. Yeah, it's definitely a change of pace and something that people are not used to seeing in Green Bay. I mean, they went through off seasons where there was no act, no action whatsoever. It was constant draft and development under Ted Thompson. And that immediately changed from day one when uh, Brian Gunga took over. And it leads me to that first pick with Rashawn Gary, which to be honest, was a little puzzling. And, you know, ultimately with that, with that pick, you're getting a big boom or bust guy. And 
you look back before he went to Michigan, he was a former five-star recruit, overall the best prospect coming out, but he never really lived up to that hype, right? He never, he never lived up to that hype. Over the last two seasons, only produced 19.5 tackles for loss, 9.5 sacks. Um, but there's, there's potential there. there. And I think they're going with that potential, and they felt comfortable making this pick because of what they did in free agency with Zadarius Smith, with Preston Smith. They don't need Gary to get onto the field immediately and make an immediate impact as they've had to do with past first-round draft picks. At the same time, though, I think it would have been better if they went with an edge rusher like Brian Burns with that first pick. Because ultimately, with Gary, um, there there is a lot of potential there. But at the same time, there is some worry with, uh, with his shoulder injury. Um, this is a guy who people are not sure if he has a torn labrum, what the situation is. He should be good to play this year. But at some point, you would assume that surgery will be needed. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, talking about uh, the uh, Packers and what they did in this draft. They uh, ended up picking up uh, Jace Sternberger, tight end. Uh, obviously, Jimmy Graham didn't really pan out uh, the way that they might have expected that he would. Uh, what do you think about uh you know, Jay Sternberger in, in terms of what he does to Jimmy Graham's kind of playing time? So I still think that Jimmy Graham come day one is going to be that, that starting tight end for the Green Bay Packers. But we will have to see in camp how Sternberger really pushes Jimmy Graham because what they got in, in Jace is really a, a big target. He's athletic, has great hands, and could really stretch the field down the middle. And Aaron Rodgers has been looking for that type of target since Jermichael Finley left. I mean, last year at Texas A&M, he caught 48 passes for 832 yards, 10 10 touchdowns. He led all tight ends um, in catches for over 20 yards. And he only dropped three passes out of the 52 that uh, he was targeted. I mean, he has the potential down the road to really be an impact in this offense. I think his the reason why he may struggle early on is because he does have that la- – he lacks the blocking ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly a, a pass catcher, Sternberger. Both tight ends, though, Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis on the roster. Mercedes Lewis is going to be 35. Jimmy Graham is over 30. I think Sternberger is certainly a guy of the future and providing more pass catching options. He obviously has a lot of faith in Devontae Adams. They drafted three wide receivers last year with Marquette, with Valdez Scanling, Jamal Moore, and Equinemius St. Brown. If any of those guys could stay healthy <laughs> for long periods of time, we might actually see what they can do. But it really does speak to what we talked to, what we've been talking about here in that they have really aggressively tried to remake this roster. They know they have Rodgers locked in. He's obviously been unhappy with the direction of the franchise, but I'm with you. I have some real look when I when I see players that have talent like Gary that aren't productive in college, I have big question marks. Those aren't my yeah. favorite types of players to take. He had nine and a half sacks in three years. I could give you a litany of players that were drafted in the first round the other night that beat that total last year alone. Montez Sweat and more. Brian Burns probably had more than that last season alone. So I, I do have concerns there. In fact, his teammate Chase Winovich, of course, the freaking Patriots get Winovich, was more productive on the field than Gary was. 
And, and that's the thing. I mean, and, and not to switch over to the Patriots at all, but I mean, them picking up a guy like Chase Winovich and also directing a wide receiver like Nikhil Harry. I mean, I, yeah. I have a feeling that both it's of those absurd. guys are going to end up being very productive in that Patriots system. But yeah, it, I, I think they felt comfortable taking this risk with Gary because of the depth that they now have on um, on the defensive side. Uh, I think it would have went in a different direction if they didn't add Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, and they didn't see the production from Kyler Frackrell last season. Um, still, I think it's a big risk, but ultimately, if, if he gets the coaching, uh, the, the necessary coaching, I think he has. He does have potential, but... Um, like Gutenkuss had, he had to field questions right after they drafted him. I mean, what makes you believe that Gary is going to um, transform and be that top prospect that he was once supposed to be but never lived up to? And, and talking about coaching, uh, new head coach Matt LaFleur, uh, what do you think he brings to the table in terms of this team that uh, you know obviously had some underlying locker room issues? I mean, and uh, Mike alluded to, you know, keeping Aaron Rodgers happy. I mean, what's the sense that you get from, from this team moving forward, like changes to the, you know, the, the, the locker room uh, uh, this, this season? I mean, ultimately, I think we could all agree that Aaron Rodgers has a lot to say. Uh, I'm sure you've, you've both read the, the story sure. that Tyler Dunn published. I mean, he has a huge impact on whether this team's going to do really well or really bad. But speaking specifically about Matt LaFleur, I think the Packers wanted a quarterback guy. The Packers wanted an offensive-minded guy, and that's what they're getting. They're getting someone who lives for football, who's going to try and bring something different. Um, over the last years, towards the end of, the, of Mike McCarthy's tenure, things got very stale. Things didn't change. It was very predictable. I think you're going to get a lot, of, a lot of new, innovative looks from Matt LaFleur. Um, and I think part of the reason why they're putting such a heavy emphasis on that defense is obviously if you have a better defense, it's a lot easier on, on the quarterback and on the offensive side. Um, one of the main problems was it always felt like Aaron Rodgers was on the field because defense, it, the defense would continuously get, get run through. So I think LaFleur's really and Gutenkos combined are really trying to build a strong defense, put a little less pressure on that offense to get them to Great. where they should be. Totally agree. So, again, this is uh, Joe Delosio. You can find him on Twitter, and he is a contributor at Fanside. I just wrote some good stuff, written some good stuff here about uh, Green Bay addressing needs in free agency. I'm sure he'll have some draft takes as well in addition to speaking with us today. So uh, I, I, let's talk about the couple other players that were picked here. Elton, Je- Elton Jenkins obviously helps provide some long-term depth in the interior offensive line. Brian Balaga's in his 10th season. David Bakhtiari, uh, they're good at tackle, but uh, guys are getting a little bit older. I think they really needed to provide some internal depth here. Billy Turner, Taylor Lane, Corey Lindsley is an effective center, but Jenkins is a guy that is versatile, can probably play multiple positions and provide depth for Aaron Rodgers. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jenkins is a big boy, and I say that, you know, 6'4", 3'10", uh, very versatile. He played his last two seasons at the center position, but he also does have experience at the guard and tackle. You mentioned the addition of Billy Turner. So with Jenkins and Billy Turner, there is a good chance that both of those guys end up starting on opposite sides of Corey Lindsley at center. 
So, I mean, uh, they've, yeah. added, they've added depth with that. Their biggest concern, really, I mean, Lane Taylor struggled tremendously last season. Um, and Jenkins is going to come in on day one and really give him a, a run for his money for a starting position. I mean, one, one stat that I saw that really stuck out when I was uh, researching and watching some some tape on Jenkins was that he gave up only five pressures, one sack, and committed uh, only one penalty over 800 snaps last season. And as a junior, he didn't give up a single sack or quarterback hit while playing over 900 snaps. I think that speaks volumes, especially since he played in the SEC. And you're going against elite pass rushers. Yeah, yeah, Mississippi you're, State you're, had four players drafted in the top 50. Pretty impressive. Extremely impressive. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, some people may argue about whether the SEC is the best conference in football, but it, it certainly seems that uh, every year we're getting the top prospects from that from that conference. So if you could hang with those guys at the college level, right. I think that translates well. That's right. That's a team that isn't even that even considered to be an elite team in that conference. Their coach, Dan Mullen, had left, obviously, to move over to Florida. So some of these players that are being drafted now recruited by Dan Mullen. But pretty impressive. Montez Sweat and Jenkins and Abram. And I'm missing... The last one, uh, shoot, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Uh, but they had, I know they had four players drafted. Oh, Jeffrey Simmons, who's got the ACL injury, uh, goes to Philly, uh, goes to Tennessee. So four players are in the top 50 for Mississippi State. Sorry, go ahead, uh, Joe Galena. Yeah. So uh, what do you think they do uh, from here? Uh, you know, fifth round, uh, are they happy with their uh, receiving core? I mean, they're getting uh, Geronimo Allison back uh, this year. They got uh, the two kids, St. Brown and Valdez Cantling. Are they happy with their wide receiver uh, core at this stage? I mean, obviously, Devontae Adams, one of the best wide receivers uh, in football. Uh, what do you think they do the rest of the draft? So, I mean, I mean, if you look at that wide receiver depth chart, absolutely Devontae Adams, number one guy, quietly still, in my opinion, is uh, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL who doesn't get enough praise. Uh, Geronimo Allison sure. for this year, that, that's gonna, this is going to be a big year for Allison. Obviously, the mm-hmm. departure of Randall Cobb, there is an opening at that slot. I think he's going to have the first chance to take over that slot wide receiver. Um, he has experience on the inside and the outside. Coming down to wide receiver three, it's going to be it's going to come down to those young kids between Valdez Scantling and St. Brown. I expect them to try to add at least one or two wide receivers the rest of the way, similar to what they mm-hmm. did in last year's draft. One guy that caught my eye was Dylan Mitchell out of Oregon. I mean, this kid could really stretch the field. Um, last season, he caught 75 passes for – 1,100 yards and 10 scores. He's a guy to look out for. Probably will be a, you know, a late fifth, maybe a sixth-round pick. I mean, there is one really good wide receiver still out there, Hakeem Butler. I just don't think they're gonna. He's gonna be around by the time Green Bay's back on the clock. Uh, so last one before you go. I, you know, I actually thought there was a chance that they would take an impact wide receiver in the first round because. There's some thought process with me that if you have three guys that you're unsure of, you don't have any. Do you know what I mean? I know Valdez Gantling was good at times last year. I thought they would maybe come over the top and just put somebody that they really loved opposite Adams. Clearly, they didn't feel that way about any of these wideouts, although 
Nikhil Harry looks pretty interesting now that he's a Patriot, right? He's even more attractive now that he's on the Patriots. But last thing about Savage, they have acquired all of these defensive backs in the last two years. So where does Savage come in? Does that mean somebody like Josh Jones is out? Uh, I really think that Josh Josh Jones is is on the outside looking in with with the addition of Savage, and, and quite frankly, I think Savage um, was the better pick in that first round uh, between uh, him, him and the Gary pick. Um, I had the opportunity to watch Savage play live, and also Gary when I uh, visited the the University of Michigan last season. And one thing that stood out to me about Savage was he was quick, he was athletic. And he was all over the field. And some of the best tape that you'll see from Savage is is that game against Michigan, is his performance against Ohio State, big-time schools, and that's what you want to see. Um, I think pairing him with Adrian Amos, I think he's going to have a, a big impact on that defense. Uh, the, one, the one thing that you need to be careful with with Savage is sometimes he's a little over-aggressive and, and you could really, that could really hurt you down the road um, in the NFL. Yeah, uh, yeah, good stuff uh, out of you, Joe. I would say that in general, the team was 29th in the league in creating turnovers last year. So somebody like this, that's what he's for. He's going to create plays in the defensive backfield, try to create picks, tip balls, all that kind of stuff. I think that's what Dar- where Darnell Savage excels. And, yes, there's a little bit of risk-reward in his play, but I think they are needing they are needing that. They're telling you that they need that. With their, a guy that can hopefully get after the passer and a guy that can tip ball. So great stuff, Joe. I appreciate it. We'll have that interview up a little bit later today. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me, guys. So we'll come back at the top of hour number three, break down what Joe just had to say, talk about the Packers and more. It's the NFL Draft Edition of FST, Saturday edition. Go find out. I'll be right back.